Amen, saints of God. <clears throat> As we get ready to delve into the Word of God today, amen, it's just good to uh, be back on <clears throat> Kansas City soil, amen, amen. Enjoyed myself while I was in, in Cali, but uh, it's good to be back home. And I, I would like to let New Zion know that there was a sighting of uh, uh, the First Lady, amen. Uh, I saw a little north of L.A., for a little while, amen, so I know she is still out there, amen, but she was running fast, amen, I tried to keep up with her, but she was a little too quick for me, amen, so I came on back home, <laughs> hallelujah, but amen, as we get ready to get into our word, amen, and, and it's just good to see so many visitors here today as well, amen, amen, it's our hope and prayer that something is said, amen, that will lift your hearts and encourage you in the Lord, amen. Let us go to the gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to Luke, chapter 15. <clears throat> the gospel according to Luke, chapter 15. <clears throat> And today we're going to find our text, starting in verse 11. Amen. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, you will find these words. Then he said, and that he being Jesus, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine, a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Mm. But when he came to himself, yeah, yeah. he said, How many of my father's hired servants mm. have bread enough to spare and yeah. to spare? And perish, and here I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Mm. 
That's enough for today. Amen. Amen. And this afternoon, I just want to talk with you from a few moments from the thought of Father's love. Of Father's love. This parable that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, is packed with truth. It would take a series of sermons to deal with the many perspectives that are found in this parable. But today I want to deal with the practicalities of the Father's love. For every father in this house, I want to deal with some principles, techniques, and some things that a father should see that should control and those things that he shouldn't. Amen. And I believe God has something for fathers as it relates to our children. Amen. Amen. When we look at our text, verse 11 says a certain man had two sons. So first of all, we realize that this man had more than one child. And because he has more than one child, he's going to have to deal with them in a particular way. And when we look at our text, we see that, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of all goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Verse 12 is packed with truth and how a father should deal with his children. I was raised by my dad alone. My mother passed when I was very young. And my father was a faithful dad and he raised me all by himself. But at the time in which dad knew that he was getting ready to go see the Lord, he put together his will. And when he put together his will, he did not give all of his goods to the son that was with him, but he gave it equally to all of his children. And in this text, we see that a father should not discriminate with his children. It is the younger son who who gives impetus that the father would give their inheritance, but you see in the text that he gave, he divided it to them. After all, there is two sons. What you do for one child, you should also do for the other. Because you don't want to get this favoritism issue within your children, and then there's there's a sibling conflict. See, the father understood that he shouldn't just give to the one who has, but now that he's going to do some giving, he would give to both. But in this text, We also have issues around the whole idea of the time and point in time at which the inheritance is being divided. Some theologians say that the son was out of line because he should have waited until his father passed. But then there are other theologians that say that in the Jewish culture that it was already in fit that even though the father lived, if If the father desired to give the inheritance to the children, he could while he yet lived. So in this, by implication, we see children that were probably grown. 
The younger one may have been 18, 19, or 20 years old. And now he felt like he was ready to go. He felt like he knew enough and he was ready to go on his own. But I'm sure that father, like good fathers do, can look at their children and know when they're not ready. Even though they may have come of age, they may not have come in maturity. Because everybody does not mature at the same speed. And we can look at our own children and we can see where they are. We can see whether or not they're ready for certain things because we've lived long enough to have gone through some things and we can look back and hindsight is 2020. Amen. But the younger son, he was in a hurry. He, he felt like he was ready. And I like how this father handled it for one reason, and that is the father understood that that son had made up his mind that he was ready to go. Sometimes we try to hold on to our children when they're ready to go. Because we love them so much and we don't want to see them hurt. We see the path that they're on and we try to stop them. Because we see that path sometimes is on its way to destruction. But when a child has made up their mind, they will do whatever they need to do to get their way. They will even deceive you sometimes. There are times when I know even my own children had not told me the truth. But I didn't say nothing. But I know, but I know what it was like to be a child myself. I, at a certain point, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And there are certain things I never would share with my father. But as a father looking with a spiritual eye, I must recognize that I must let my children fly. Because all I would do is get in the way of what only the Lord can do in their lives. I can talk till I'm blue in the face. I can spend money. I can cajole, I can coerce all I want, but they're going to do what they want to do, and if I prevent them, they're going to rebel even being right there with me. So I like what this father did when he divided the inheritance, because he gave the inheritance to the son so that the Lord could do in the son's life what the Lord needed to do. The father allowed the son to go on out, to go out into this dismal world. Go out into this place where there are thieves and robbers and there are those who will misuse you and abuse you. Amen. But I'm sure that that father was a praying father. That every day that his son wasn't there he was praying for him. And that's what we've got to be fathers. Praying fathers. Even though we can't make our children grown children do what we want them to do. We can pray for them that the Lord will guide them and keep them and shape them and make them into who he would have them to be. Amen. Because sometimes you can't get it by teaching. Sometimes you got to get it by experience. Sometimes the hard knocks of life are the real teachers. I've heard from a wise man one time, he said, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And sometimes we're not that teacher. Even though we want to be, we have done all we can as we reared them up. But there are some other teachers that they're going to have to face out in a mean and mean and awful world. 
that will teach them things that we would never teach them. Amen. But we got to be praying now because we need the Lord to take care of them. Amen. Like Job did for his children. He prayed for them every day because he understood the sin condition. And he knew that they were going to need the Lord. And he prayed. He understood the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail of much. Amen. So in our text, after the father divided, and the text says, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. If we had time, I'd like to deal a little bit with the son that stayed at home. See, sometimes when we have the child that stays closest to us, we believe that that child is on the right road and everything's all right because they're right up under us. But it's not the physical location, but it's the location of their hearts. Sometimes their hearts are far away even though they're physically close. So now we got a son that's gone into a, what, faraway country. He done gathered all his stuff and he's journeying away because he wants to get as far as he can from his daddy. Because he wants to live his own life. And that's okay because the Lord is everywhere at all times. And that as the son ventured, you can be confident in knowing that God is wherever they are. Amen. And so we look at our text and we see that he went into a far away country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. See, when I talked about being coming of age, undoubtedly the father knew that he was of age chronologically, but not mature. He didn't know how to handle the possessions that he had been given. When we read this text to us in its entirety, it appears that this father had much riches. And he had given much to this son, but he wasn't ready to handle it. So trying to be a man and go out and do his own thing, he wasn't able to handle the possessions that he was given. And the text says what? That he wasted it. He wasted all of it with prodigal living. Prodigal living is nothing but wasteful living. He was buying high-priced shoes and maybe going to eat at five-star restaurants. Trying to live in the penthouse when he was going to get ready to be in the outhouse. He, He was out there doing it up, living large. What they say, the bling bling. And he was doing his thing because he said, This is the life. This is what I've been wanting to do, and I'm having the time of my life. But unfortunately, the text says that he wasted his possessions. See, when you don't understand how to manage your possessions, you don't know how to invest, you don't know how to put it in vehicles that will profit you. But all you know how to do is be a consumer instead of a producer. And that's what his son was. He was of age, but not spiritually able and attuned to how to handle what his father had given him. 
But the father was so patient. Because nowhere in this text do I see where his father go running into the faraway land as well, saying, son, come home. Son, why do you spend your money on that? Son, here's another $20 to get you through. Son, do you need me to pay your rent? Son, do you need me to pay your car payment? Son, do you need... No, the father stayed at home. He knew his son had gone a far way, but he let his son be in the hands of the Lord. Amen, saints. So he, he took his hands off of the steering wheel and let his son go on and do these things. And he knew that his son was going to waste it, but he let him go anyway. Mm-hmm. I have to let my children go. Yeah. I can't hold them. They got to be who they are. And I've got to trust that God will lead them in the direction they are to go. That he will be the stop signs. That he will be the trainer at a level that I could never do. But my job is to pray because my children are grown and they got to get into their own lives. But I can pray. I can pray that the Lord be with them every day. And that he show them right and wrong and that he moves them the way he would have them to go. And I can stay at home. See, I can stay at home instead of burning up gas trying to run to and fro across the city or down to Texas or somewhere trying to see what my children are doing. The Lord sees. So I can stay at home. I can stay around here and do what God has me to do here while the Lord takes care of the rest. And that's what fathers got to do. We got to let our children go. We do all the teaching we can while we got but then we got to let them go. Even my baby girl is here with me today. I do all the teaching I can while I got her, but she got to go back to Texas. And she got to either use what I taught her or do what she wants to do. But I got to let her go. A good father will let her find her way because I know the Lord is able. Amen. So looking at this text, verse 14 says, but when he has spent all. There arose a severe famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Yes, now look at that text. Verse 14. It was only after he had spent all. What erupted a severe famine in that land? How many do you know that God has famine in his hand? There was no famine in the land unless God allowed it. But God is such a God that he can set for circumstances for you in the midst of everybody else to get you to where he wants you to be. He can set a whole city on fire and he can get you to the place that you want, he wants you to be. So this text After he had spent all, the famine came into the land. And now the son begins to be in want. I don't know about you, but I had to get to the place that I had nothing left before I looked up to Jesus. I had to get to the place where I had run out of all of my schemes and all of my dreams, which all came to vanity, that all came to nothing. I had did this and I had 
did that and I had run this street and run that street and all I found at the end of the road was emptiness. I had gone to this party and I had been with this group and I had seen the things that occurred but I still felt empty on the inside. No matter what I did, I couldn't fill it with the things that the world wanted to give. I began to be in want. And I began to look around trying to find what could fill this void in me. Because all the things I had tried in the world and everything that they said would make me happy, I ended up being sad. And one day I asked a man who was always talking about Jesus. And I asked the man to tell me more about him and he led me in the sinner's prayer. And then the void was filled and now I know happiness in Jesus. I don't thirst no more for what I used to thirst for because Jesus has filled my cup. But I had to get to the place where I had run out. And my dad was that kind of dad. He didn't, he didn't press me and he didn't, what are you doing, son? What are, what's going on here? And let me do this right here. And don't go here. He, he allowed me to go on out there. He allowed me to go out there and he stayed at home. But you know what? God had a way with dealing with me on the outside. And after a while, I had to look up. So we got to trust God to do the same in our children's lives, fathers. We got to let them go their way so that the Lord can do in them what we can't do for them and they can't do for themselves. So we look at our text. Then we see, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Your children can get so far out there, can get so far out in these faraway countries. It may still be in Kansas City, but yet it's a faraway country because they're dealing and going down roads that even you may not have been down. But one thing is for sure, the Lord is still watching. And then you hear the report that your child has joined himself up with a merry band has joined himself up with a citizen of the world, has joined himself up with some folks that got some strange ways about them. And you know they're not going to take care of your child. You know that they're not going to treat them right. You know they're going to use them and abuse them. And as hard as it may be, we got to stay at home. We got to let God do it. What he and only he can do in their life. Because when we run in trying to do something, all we do is make a mess. I have seen in my own actions how when I've gone too far, I didn't help my child at all. When I've done too much, it came to nothing. But I got to let the Lord do it. Because only he can do that perfect work that needs to be done in them. The Bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. He who begins a good work in you shall finish it. Amen. And so the text goes on to say 
When he joined them up, he, he sent him out to feed the swine. Now, remember that this is Jesus speaking to Jews. What worse thing for a Jew to have to do than to feed unclean swine? Because you do know that pigs were unclean in the Jewish culture. Amen. The law had made them ceremonial unclean. And so here's a Jew having to feed uncleanliness that is all against all of his teaching, all of his upbringing, and here he finds himself in the slop pen. But some of our children may end up in these slop pens, but we got to let the Lord finish his perfect work. See, sometimes we want to jump in because things just look like they're going to be completely desolate. It's going to be complete destruction and that things aren't happening fast enough for them to change and come back to the Lord. But remember that the Lord's time is not like our time. He doesn't count slackness the way we count slackness. That a day is to a thousand years is a thousand years is to a day with the Lord. Amen. Keep our hands off the steering wheel and let the Lord work it out. Once again, nowhere in here do we see what his father is all over in that land saying, hey son, hold on, hold on a minute. Let me get this bucket. Uh, you look real tired. I'm going to go ahead and slop the pigs for you. That's how we talk down in Texas. We're going to slop the pigs. But anyway, amen. So he didn't get over in there and start trying to take over the work of the son and getting in the way. But he stayed at home. And he let the Lord do it. So the son was working for this citizen who really wasn't treating him very well at all. And so when we look at our text, we see that and when he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. See, that's what happens when you're in a faraway country. When you're out there like that and them folks that you spend all that money on and the folks that you party with and bought drinks and all that, then you mess around and get hooked up with some of them and they put you in a, in a work position and you think, hey, I need your help. They put you in a place where they don't give you anything. Now he out there slopping the hogs, but yet he's got no food himself. But that's where you can get when you're in a faraway country. You can get out there and all your friends will desert you. When you thought them friends were good friends of yours, and when you got out there, they left you all by yourself. Broken chains and, and radiators that are missed, and, and they've left you there on the side of the road. All right, all right. But God hasn't forgotten you. Yes, he knows exactly where you are. Yes, so the text goes on to say, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The text does not tell us how many years had passed before the young man came to his senses. Well, 
The text doesn't tell us how many sleepless nights the father had. No, how many sleepless nights the son had. It doesn't tell us this. So it could be any amount of time. It could be one year. It could be 15. But it's the time that needed to pass in this son's life. Because it was only after that set time that he came to himself. That he realized where he was and what he had forfeited by being rash and leaving his father. And so when he came to himself, he had a contrite heart because he says, I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, this is a right mindset because he didn't just say I've sinned before you, Father, but heaven too, which means I've sinned before God as well. Because in order to get right with your folks, you got to get right with God. And so this son is getting right with the Lord now. And he's come to his senses and he says what he's going to do. And he says he understands that now he's humble. Because in our series of lessons in the past, we found out that hum- humility puts us in a position lower than somebody else. Well, the humility is found in verse 19 because he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. God says if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. He gives grace to the humble and he resists the pride. See, that's how we got to come to the Lord. We got to come broken. We got to come with a contrite spirit, understanding that we are low and we are in need of the Savior. We can't come proud pulling up our own bootstraps because the Lord resists that kind of nonsense. He wants folks to come poor in spirit, to come meek, to come mourning over their sin and that's what this son is doing. This son is coming saying, I ain't done right. I went out there and I wasted all the possessions and I've done all kinds of things that wasn't right. I've sinned before God and before you, Father. I didn't do right like I should have. He was mourning over his sin. He was meek and he was humble that he said he ain't worthy to be called his son no more. No longer did he fit in that royal royal level, but he would be a servant, amen. But that's where God wants us to be, and then he exalts us. The text goes on to say, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Fathers, you can't stop praying for your children. No matter how desolate, no matter how discouraging, no matter how dejected you may feel, you cannot stop praying for your children. No matter how many years go by, no matter how it looks like they may not turn, you've got to keep praying. But not only that, you got to keep looking for them to come home. If you notice in this text that the father saw him afar off, the only way he could have done that is if he was looking. I can imagine his father every day looking down the road to see if today is the day 
that his son was coming home. Praying to God, expecting the miracle from the Lord and looking intently to see when his son was to come home. That's how God wants us as believers to operate. When we pray, we pray believing and we look to seek that which we have prayed for. That we look for God to do and that we continue to pray and continue to look because God's time is not our time. But look at the compassion of the father. The father didn't run out and kick the son and say, I told you so. Boy, I told you not to go. I told you that you need to stay at the house. No, that's not what he did. What does the text say? The text says he had compassion. And he ran. He didn't even sit back on the porch with his hands on his sides looking at him like that. No, with eager anticipation and compassion, he ran out to meet his son. And look what the text says. He says, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He was ready that whenever the son was ready, that he was going to be ready with there with compassion and love. Even though he didn't leave the house, he was eagerly anticipating the son to come home. And when the son got in the right vicinity, he was right there for him. That's how we have to be fathers. We have to be the kind of fathers that let our children go, let the Lord do what the Lord will do, and when they come to their senses, be ready with compassion. After they go through all they go through, because when they're down, the last thing they need is somebody to kick them. Or the last thing they need is somebody to say, I told you so. That we will be there with compassion and love on them and hug them. And the Bible says in this same, same text that he was restored. They killed a fatty calf and they had a great dinner. So it ought to be a celebration that when our children come home. But I want you to know today that all of what this teaching gives to us earthly fathers, it is but an example of a heavenly truth. There is a father in heaven whose children have went astray. In the Garden of Eden, sin entered the world. But that father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that the whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is a father who has love and compassion for those who have gone to a faraway country. For those of us who have gone to doing our own thing. He sits high and looks low waiting for his children to turn and come to him. He's made a way out of no way. He's given his son that we might have a way back to him. When we're down and out with nothing that we can pay, the Lord has given his son Jesus 
who has paid the ultimate price for everyone who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God has made a way back to the Father's house where there are many mansions. If it were not so, Jesus would have told us. If we will turn from our wicked ways and come to ourselves, we can come back to the Father with a contrite heart. Knowing we are spiritually bankrupt and we are needing other feeling, God will give us His Spirit and change our lives. I'm reminded that God looked down through 40 and two generations. He had a plan for you and for me. And one day, his son was born of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was born in a manger, for there was not room enough in the inn. But our Savior, Jesus Christ, as a little baby, was as low as you could go. So that he would know that no matter how low we went, he could always reach down and pick us up. But that little baby grew in stature. That little baby grew in wisdom. And after 30 years, he began a ministry. A ministry to go to the cross. Living, he loved us. Dying, he saved us. Buried, he carried my sins far away. But rising, rising, he justified and freed me forever. And now I'm safe. Come on to 
Amen. There is there none came, but there is still plenty of good room. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. If all hearts and minds are clear, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm hoping that there was a word for the fathers today to encourage us. Amen. Amen. If all hearts and minds are clear, amen. Let us stand for our benediction. Amen. Amen. yourself. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you continue to bless the fathers in this house, O oh God, on this day. Lord, continue to strengthen us, and as the fathers who are not here, Lord, have mercy on them as well, Master. Because, Lord, you have set up a position in your families that the, that the man, the father is to be the head of the house, O oh God. So, Lord, strengthen us in wisdom and knowledge, Lord, that we may lead as you would have us to be. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you bless everyone under the sound of my voice, O oh God. Lord, keep them, Master, as we go down the dangerous highways and byways. Lord, as we continue to spread this gospel, Lord, this good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, be with us in your spirit, O oh God. And do us with power, Master, that we can be bold witnesses into this dismal and dying world. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you bless our tithes and offerings, oh God, that we're about to give. Lord, let us use these, Lord, for kingdom building, oh God. Lord, let us be about your business, Master, and use your resources, Lord, the way you would have us to do. And Lord, we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Obey the ushers for our offering and come around and shake my hand. Amen. <laughs> 